We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. And welcome to the Moose and Bruins Podcast. That's episode 219 of the pod, and football season is officially here. We're talking college football this time around alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. And Matt, got some Thursday night kicks to get to. We got the locks of the week 2021. This is edition. my year. Yeah, this that sounds year. right. This is my this year. Is your year? Well, year. Seeing this is bounce back year for me. Seeing as how you work, in the, you work in the space, there is, some, there is a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of uh, pun intended. A little bit of extra juice there for yeah, you. I there, think. I, well, I, let's just. I think I have a few more resources this year. You had you had your your guy Todd Furman. You were talking to some guys on the air, and naturally, you, you took a lot of the advice you got. And I can't blame you for that. Hopefully, I'm trying to bank on some of that now. Uh, we got some of those guys coming on our shows. I think uh, Chris Felica is going to be a, a Friday guest on one of our shows. I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to get some some tips from those guys, and maybe try and use those, and not just shoot from the hip every Tuesday morning when I open up the lines for the first time well spoiler alert i i will be shooting from the hip here on uh on our week one lock we're both shooting from pick. the hip this morning it just it just jumped off the board yeah. it jumped right off the board at me but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit first we're gonna run it around the conferences give our thoughts maybe make a pick there uh we're gonna set up a college football playoff uh four team right that that's that's still the rules i don't know, I don't know what, it's, I don't it's know four for college now. football I don't know how college football works anymore, Matt. I don't either. They're changing how many teams are in the playoffs. They're changing what teams are in what conferences. They're changing uh, how much money you can make off your name. It's it's a lot of change here in the college football season. Uh, The product, hopefully, on Saturdays will remain the same. And – I think that's what we're going to kind of focus this conversation on here today. Yeah, it was a weird offseason full of like everything's going to change, but like, with the exception of the athletes now. But getting, not getting now. Paid, nothing, yeah. Yeah, everything's going to change just yeah. in 2025. It's like, okay, exactly. well, that's great. Why don't you talk to me in 2024 then because I'm going to forget about this in, in a couple months. Um, but yeah, see, the status quo with the exception of the whole payment thing this year, it, it's the same old college football we've been used to for the last few years, which I'm, I'm okay yeah. with. Yeah. Um, all right, Matt. With that said, should we dive right in here? I mean, let's. Uh, I think there's only one logical place to start if you're talking about college football, and that is, I hate to say it, the home of college football. The SEC uh, has really dominated in years past, in recent memory. Even if you extrapolate that out over the last couple of decades, college football lives in the SEC. Most national championships last 15 seasons by conference. Uh, the SEC dominant. Alabama has six. Florida has two. LSU has two. Auburn has one. Clemson has two. They're the next highest. The ACC has three total over the last 15 seasons with Florida State winning one, Clemson winning two. So I think a logical place to start here is the SEC. Should we say it on three, our pick to win the the conference? Let's do it. Let's do it. Do you see some uh, somebody jumping up and catching one, two, three? Alabama. Alabama. Um, I, I, Almost. I think if there's a year to get it, that Georgia. It, it, this might be one of you know Georgia's best shots since 
the mm-hmm. national championship year when, when they went up against Alabama, they bring back a whole lot of talent. JT Daniels is healthy. I've honestly never been the biggest of JT Daniels guys just because I saw him his freshman year at USC when he, you know, he got hurt, but I didn't just nothing really blew me away about him. But that said, mm-hmm. he, he's older, more matured in a, in a better team, better system, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, Georgia, I, I guess would be a team that has the talent to compete with Alabama. Um, I, I think LSU is going to be a little bit better. It's going to be hard to not be a little bit better than they were last year. I think they kind of right the ship a little bit this year, but I, I don't see them challenging Bama in the West yet. I, I no one, no, no one's going to, no one's going to challenge Alabama unless for some reason, somehow Bryce, yeah, Bryce Young stinks, which is not going to happen. I, I, it's just, it's really been impressive to watch them just shape shift under Saban, just to whatever the skill set is, to whatever the strong point is. And I think this year, the strong suit, no disrespect to the offense, is going to be their defense. Um, they had one of the top six scoring defense every season between 2010 and 2017. They haven't been in top 10 scoring defense in any of the last three seasons because it's just been offense, offense, mm-hmm. offense. We have all these weapons. We're going to run it up. Well, you know, their quarterback coach leaves. Your offensive coordinator and Steve Sarkeesian is now the head coach at Texas. Um, you have a ton of turnover on the offensive side of the ball. Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell. Uh, on the offensive line, Leatherwood, uh, Deontay Brown, Landon Dickerson. All playing on Sundays now, might I add. Uh-huh. Um, the only real guys you lose on the defensive side of the ball uh, Dylan Moses was the big linebacker, and then Patrick Sertain uh, on the back end. But they go out, and in the transfer portal, they get the best transfer and one of the top players in the country and Henry Toa Toa, who's going to be the best linebacker in the country. And I think that the whole reload and, um, you know, not uh, – what's the what's the other term I'm looking for? Reload, um, they, not they, rebuild. They don't rebuild. Yeah, they they always reload, and, and Nick Saban is the constant there. So I just see them once again shifting into their, you know, leaning into their strengths here, which is probably going to be defense and getting back to the run game a little bit more. Now, no disrespect to John Mechie uh, the third, who's mm-hmm. probably going to be one of the top wide receivers in the country. And, you know, you got a Heisman candidate likely and Bryce Young. So they're going to be able to do a lot of things. I'm just really excited to watch them establish their identity early on in the season because, you know, we we come out here and we sing the praises of the SEC, but I think we mentioned the two teams with the real chances to make the college football playoff, and that's Georgia and Alabama. Beyond that, I mean, things get a little thin, but that's the case in in most conferences. I think beyond that, you're looking at a lot of teams like, you know, Florida or Texas A&M that, you know, lost quarterback, that lost some players that, you know, are kind of – I hesitate to use the word rebuild with them because those are still probably, you know, eight, nine win teams that are going to be good football teams. They're just, they're just two not, full tiers yeah. below those top exactly. two teams. Exactly. They, they're the teams that, you know, have the years where they can finally maybe get Bama, whereas Bama is just the obviously the cream of the crop. They're the class of the SEC every year. Like, like you said, they don't rebuild, they reload. You were talking about how good the defense is supposed to be and, and then all the talent they bring back, and obviously that's going to be interesting, fun to watch, and they should be really good. I'm honestly more excited to see the new names on offense just because yeah. it, it happens every you know two, three years once they rotate people out. I mean, 
I'm excited to see young Bryce Young Bryce Young play. John Mechie, obviously, we've seen what he can do, but I want to see the new names. Who's the new five star that's going to get drafted in the first round two or three years from now? Who's the who's the new you know stud two or three running backs they're going to have trotted out there? So those are when I'm watching Alabama. That's that's kind of what I'm going to be excited to see. And they have a a nice little barn burner in Atlanta against against Miami. Who oh, I was um, you know, scrolling down to look some, some through some previews this morning, and I've seen. How Miami can sneak up on Alabama was one headline, and how Alabama could derail Miami's season is another. So it's 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 fun. It's fun. Uh, I believe that is a nineteen and a half point game spread at last check. Alabama, obviously the favorite there. They are fourteen and zero in Week One games under Nick Saban. Twelve and two against the number. Although they did not cover a year ago, they do have to cover nineteen and a half to get another one uh, in the win column there. ATS. But I'm not betting against to, them. No, when it comes to preparing your team for a week one clash, which is always a question mark, no matter where you're playing, no matter the team, no matter the neutral site, no matter the returning starters, week one is always a little bit messy at any level of football. There, there's a certain level of chemistry that does not exist until the real bullets start flying. But if anyone is capable of getting their team into the proper headspace and preparedness, it's, it's Coach Nick. It's the guy who I say it all the time, walks past a statue of himself every day on the way to work. It's just, he is the greatest of all time. He is in the middle of his prime. It's uh, it's really, really special what we've witnessed with Saban. And I mean, if we want to distill that down to a game pick here, 19 and a half does not scare me away. There is, I mean, it, you don't make money betting against Bama. You might do it on, <laughs> no. a, on a, you might do it on, you know, a specific week or two. But you don't make money betting against Bama, and quite you know, honestly, you know what they also say: you don't win golf balls betting against Bama. That's true. I was also, I was just going to say, roll damn tide. Uh, yeah. Alabama first halves, I think, is going to be a big theme for me. Yeah. On, on my on my gambling picks this I like year. It. Um, any other any other key notes, news notes you want to make out of the SEC? I mean, a lot of interesting stuff going on with Florida. Um, I'm excited to see Emory Jones in Florida. I mean, he's got that kind of dual threat. Exciting. Anything can happen on any play. Um, kind of aspect to him, so that's going to be fun for me. Uh, Josh Heupel in Tennessee, I'm really just excited because anytime Tennessee gets a new head coach, it's kind of funny to see how quickly they can implode. Um, other than that, no, nothing really jumping real uh, jumping out. I mean, I, I support Clark Lee because of what he did at Notre Dame, but he's at Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt's never really going to be a contender. Hope hope he does well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Lane, Lane at Ole Miss, it's it's always going to be a fun storyline to watch. Yeah, they and I think put that a lot that- of points. You know, kind of getting a few of his guys in the building and starting to – you talk about culture and starting to establish that culture. um, It's going to be a lot of fun. I think there's a couple – if you look at their schedule, there's a couple like uh, personal rivalry games on there for Lane. Uh, Hard to keep track of all the places. When do they play Bama? Uh, um, October 2nd at Alabama. I just Googled. That's going to be a fun one, but is that going to be a game? I don't know. Um, For me, I I really think that – Georgia has a chance to do something here. I mean, you're bringing back a quarterback with a ton of uh, a ton of um, experience. It, not a ton, but I mean, JT Daniels played last year, had a I think like a six game sample size there, and started the final four and looked mm-hmm. really good. It looked really good in those games. You know, Georgia's defense is going to be you know Georgia's defense for the last. Five years or six years has been a top two scoring defense in the country. They're going to be able to run better. the ball. 
doesn't get much more consistent. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball. I think Zamir White is their mm-hmm. big back this year. Um, and it's just, you know, Georgia is another program that you know what you're getting. It's just in those moments, in those big games, are they going to be able to execute? And we will learn that early on Saturday against Clemson. Uh, Clemson. You know, the, the this- season starts, the season starts number three versus number five, two really tough defenses, two quarterbacks who have been, who we've seen, but, but now have been given the mm-hmm. reins fully really interesting game there. And uh, another note here, uh, Georgia's last week one loss came to Clemson in 2014. Clemson's last week one loss came to Georgia in 2013. Those so were awesome got, football it, games. It's a, it's a total something's got to give scenario yeah. here. It, it feels like, especially with that week one opener, a chance for a big statement win and Alabama being, not again, not down. They have a lot of talent, but inexperienced is probably the word on the offensive side of the football. That It seems like if Georgia's going to do it, it kind of if if not this year when it, it mm-hmm. kind of feels like that to me. So I, I'm, I'm Matt, very Matt's high. got Georgia on the clock. Matt's got Georgia on the clock. It, it just you know what I mean? It, it's it this no, it, but I, if there's yeah. a year to get Bama, it's probably this one just because of the inexperience on one side of the football and as good mm-hmm. as the defense can be. We've seen college football. It's teams are still going to find ways to score 28, 30 points just because that's what college football is now. Um, if not this year, then it's kind of starting to wonder when mm-hmm. it's going to be for Georgia because the talent's there. They're they're up there, top three, top four recruiting class every year. It's it's, it's time to start doing something, and obviously before, they do something, but win something. Before we jump to another conference here, I, I do want to make note that this is a big year for LSU football as well. You know, mm-hmm. you win the national championship, then last year is kind of uh, last year's just a, a mulligan for everybody, so you can't read too much into it, but. You know, in terms of Coach O's legacy amongst college football greatness, you know, is he going to be the guy who won one, had that amazing year, and then got paid for it, and then never really, and then just kind of hovered around the middle of the conference for the rest of his tenure? Or is he going to be a perennial contender? And I think that you can make a lot of blanket statements about Coach O as a head coach and about LSU as a program following what they do this year. Yeah, it's one of two roads they can take this year, and you need to see some positive signs. Not saying they need to go out and win a national championship, but they need to be much closer to a 9- or 10-win team than the you know 6- or 7-win team, whatever it was they were last year. All right, so that is your SEC preview. Both of us jumping on Bama with our picks. Big got, surprise there. You got a Bama-Georgia SEC championship game? I think so. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, just, it's say just yes. hard. Yes, I'm going to say yes. yes. It's hard to um, – have one program not slip up, let alone not have one of two programs slip up. So if it's someone opposite of Bama other than Georgia, I guess I wouldn't be shocked. I just can't really point to who that would be. So I will say Alabama, Georgia. Yeah, maybe a Florida if they you know put everything together and all the talents there, but it's got to likely be those two teams. Yeah. Um, Matt, do we want to jump into the Big Ten? We want to head to the backyard? Let's do the Big Ten, big, yeah. Let's... A little Big Ten football? Let's let's talk about some unders. Okay, we're yeah we're we're talking about uh, if you want to talk about Bama first half overs, let's talk about some uh, <laughs> Big Ten first half big, first half big unders. Ten unders. Um, Matt, where where do your eyes go here? Obviously, Ohio it's, State, um, another quarterback who has you know the capability 
of winning a Heisman What's of being a guy Quinn, each Quinn and every Ewers, year. I think it is Quinn Ewers. Ewers. I can't are, pronounce the last name. It's he's tough. not start. Are they starting Ewers? I don't think they're starting. Oh, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. Yeah, sorry. Stroud starting, and Ewers was the big get. Um, yes, that's where I got confused. He's like he's like twelve years old right now. Oh, whatever. But, um, I just saw the no, name. He's not. Too, he's not twelve years old, but he was there. He was there, the top overall recruit who committed there. Gotcha. But um, no, in, in terms of the Big Ten, I think that. Uh, I, I don't know that the top of the conference is all that interesting. Again, you're going to get a lot of what you're going to get a lot of what you expect with Ohio State. It's just like who's going to knock Big Brother off the pedestal this year. I think the middle of the Big Ten is super, super interesting this year. You got a lot of teams um, in that uh, Northwestern, Michigan. Um, Iowa's supposed you've to be got, pretty good this year. Iowa's supposed to be good. Indiana coming yep. off their best season in a very long time. Penn State and Wisconsin coming off irregularities of seasons in which they really didn't rise to the task in this COVID-shortened schedule a year ago. But Penn State opens up, what were they, 0-5, and, and then they win their last four, or 0-4, yeah. and, and then they win their last four, whatever it was. So just a lot of uncertainty there in the middle of the conference that I think is going to make for a ton of fun football games. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's not quite like, it, it, okay, it is kind of getting like the SEC where you know Ohio State's going to be there every year, but the middle of those conference, like, you know in the SEC those middle teams that are going to be good pretty much every year. The Big Ten's fun for me to watch because it seems like those teams kind of rotate getting each other, and I'm, I I think there are some teams in there. I think Penn State's prime for, like you were saying, a pretty good year. I think Wisconsin has pretty decently favorable schedule. They're bringing back a lot of players. I think that could be a fun team to watch, and obviously they don't play in the East. They play in the Big Ten West, so they, they're going to have a chance to – stay relatively say, unscathed yeah. and get a chance at Ohio State in the title game, which which I think will be a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. I, it's what's uh, what PJ Fleck going to do at Minnesota? Purdue is Purdue is took some positive steps last year. I, I love watching the middle of this conference, and then for you close to home, I'm excited to see how bad it gets with Nebraska. Oh, it's uh, that that's going to be your like that's going to be your hot seat watch all season long with Scott Frost. Um, I think the boosters have have grown a little wary of their hometown boy. And after how that opened up in week zero against Illinois, it doesn't seem like any nope. major changes came. It also looks like there might be some NCAA sanctions coming down on Frost. So oh, it might be a, a, an easy recipe for uh, for a, a dismissal, a, a buyout there. So we shall see. But um, in terms of what I'm most excited about um, in the Big Ten, I, I really think that – you know, Ohio State offensively is almost going to take the form of what Alabama was a year ago. Mm-hmm. You got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson as wide receivers, the two best probably in the conference, two of the better wide receivers in the country uh, running in that same offense. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of high-scoring days for that Ohio State offense this year. Yeah, I, I think uh, we were talking, I think it was before the show about, uh, or not even in the show, Alabama first halves. I think Ohio State first halves is going to be a thing. I, I just, They just... They continue to reload, but the difference is their offense, unlike Alabama's, brings back you know two of obviously Justin Fields was probably their best player, but they bring back Chris Olave, they bring back Garrett Wilson, two of the best wide receivers in all of football, and those guys are going to be really hard to stop contain. So you're going to see those guys score a lot of points. And the more I talk about this now, the more I want to go get a bet in on Ohio State at under fourteen and or you know find a minus fourteen or thirteen and a half line tonight against yeah. Minnesota. Um. 
taking a look at the conference. I mean, we are talking conference winners here. It's low-hanging fruit, but nobody's won the conference outside of Ohio State since 2016 when Penn State won it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State looking to bring home their fifth consecutive uh, Big Ten title, and I just don't see who stands in their way. Ohio State avoids Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin in crossover play. Yeah. So I, I don't know where the two losses come from on their schedule. They're my pick to win the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, they avoid the two biggest challenges from the other division in crossover play. I, I'll be intrigued. It's likely going to be Iowa or Wisconsin that comes out of uh, the Big Ten West and challenges Ohio State in that in that title game. I'll be intrigued to see that one just because Iowa is a team that's historically played Ohio State pretty tough, and you know Wisconsin is Wisconsin, and they've played them decently tough in those Big Ten championship games. But like we said with Alabama, it's starting to become the same thing with Ohio State. You don't really make that much money betting against Ohio State nowadays, so. They have to be the the pick to win until kind of unseat and prove it otherwise. Uh, outside of the uh, watch atop the conferences, what do you what are you most keyed in on in Big Ten football this year? What, what, what's the headline that's really doing it for you? Because I, I'll you know I'll dive in here and give you a second because I know I spent sure. that one on you no, a little for bit. It. For me, it is not just the coaching hot seat at Nebraska, but also the coaching hot seat at Michigan. Jim Harbaugh. I mean. Each and every year, it feels like he's got to answer to a uh, underachieving team, and I feel like that's going to be the case once again. And outside of that, uh, the the kind of coaching aspect of things, I'm really excited. This is weird to say. I'm really excited to see what Indiana brings to the table this yep, year. That's another tough test here. Week one, Indiana, Iowa. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. was sensational a year ago mm-hmm. in leading that offense. Um, I'm really excited to see if Indiana takes another step in the right direction as a football program. Yeah, that's the I'm, – I'm disappointed we didn't talk about them a little bit more because they were so good last year. They returned a lot of talent. They, they, I mean, they gave Ohio State all they can handle and almost won that game despite turning the ball over what was like three times um, mm-hmm. the, the, in, in the horseshoe too as well. They're going to be a fun team for me to watch. You covered the Michigan thing. I mean uh, – Everybody knows my allegiance to Notre Dame and that I don't really like Michigan at all whatsoever. And, and me kind of hate watching how bad they are. It's, that kind of blowing up is always fun to watch. And I'm always going to have an eye on the Cats too, Joe. I'll always yep, like to see if – I mean, coming off a Big Ten championship appearance where, again, they gave Ohio State as good of a game as they were capable of last year and made that one a good game. I'm excited to see how Fitz can kind of keep growing that program. Um, so that outside of the ones you covered, which are all good – good storyline, something that would be interesting to watch is, is Northwestern. And also, I guess the, if we're going that route, their rival, Brett Bielema, big first win, see what he kind of does coming back into the Big Ten. Yep. Um, match, we keep things rolling here to the ACC. One, two, three, Clemson. Oh, sorry. Yes, ACC. Let's do it. Uh, so you're picking Clemson. I'm going to go off the board here a little bit. Okay. Not that I... Not that I think Clemson has a major fall from grace, but... Um, Do you like another think, team that much? I, I I like North Carolina enough to say them as my answer. Okay. Um, do, do I think they actually win the conference? No, but I, I see a scenario in which that happens, and that scenario begins with Georgia taking down Clemson mm-hmm. here to open up the season. I understand doesn't have any bearing on, on, conference, conference, play. on conference play. doesn't have any bearing on a conference championship. But it does set the tone for a Clemson team. Like, there is a world in which this Clemson offense struggles to score points 
against this Georgia defense. Now, I think DJ Uyangalale is special. Uh, I think that we saw some really nice things against Notre Dame in that loss, but um, it's not uh, – if there's a powerhouse that could take a step back for me between <coughs> – excuse me. Okay. Alabama, 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 Ohio State, Clemson. I mean, who else would you call a powerhouse right now? It's, I mean, it's those three. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Alabama, Oklahoma and State, Georgia are Clemson. kind of right the next two. There's, it's, the, it's the big three. It's Alabama, Ohio State. I think of those, big, of those big three, Clemson is the team that I could see taking a step back. So for the purposes of, of, of an interesting conversation here, I would say North Carolina has a dream season under Sam Howell. Sam Howell goes first overall in the draft next year and is a flop in the NFL. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. But I think that there could be something special afoot here for North Carolina. I think that they've um, sort of gotten themselves into the conversation here under Mac Brown. I'm grasping at straws a little bit, but I don't want to just go chalk all across the board. So I'm mm-hmm. going North Carolina as my pick. That's fair. I just, I, I know Sam is <laughs> a, a very good quarterback, but they also lost some of their talent and they, I, I'm sure they have more coming in, but both running backs, I believe are gone and they were a huge part of the offense last year. Um, I think they can be pretty good. I'm just I'm not going to go against Clemson. Similar, like I know they lost their quarterback. Obviously, the offensive line is a little bit down. It lost a lot from last year. The defense should still be really good. Justin Ross is still back, and he's an absolute star. Um, I just I'm not going to bet against Clemson until I'll go down with the ship with Clemson. I, I think this is the year where they probably don't win a national championship, where they don't go past that first round of the playoff, but I, I'm still going to take them in the ACC and to make the playoffs. And it, it, it maybe is not a smart make the playoff, pick. but win the ACC. It is the smart pick because when I tell you that Georgia is their first and last test on the schedule, Georgia is their first and last test mm-hmm. on the schedule. Georgia is the only team ranked in the preseason AP poll on Clemson's schedule. So does that mean they're going to walk through the ACC schedule? Perhaps it does, Probably. but that also means if they misstep against Georgia, they have to walk through the ACC schedule because they don't have to walk through it; they have to run through it. <laughs> they, 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 to, they really do. They, they really dominate. do because even if they even if they dominate and go undefeated, they're the four seed. You know, there's there's going to be they're the three seed at best. There's going to be a couple undefeated teams. I feel like so they really put their backs against the wall if they lose here on Saturday because mm-hmm. they go Georgia. South Carolina State, Georgia Tech, NC State, Boston College, by Syracuse, Pitt, Florida State, Louisville, UConn, Wake Forest, South Carolina. Boston College should be or could be, I should say, okay. an interesting one um, because they're—I mean—they're a team that's returning everybody. They—they they have some skill. Uh, That's—that's—I I don't know a whole lot about Boston College, but in reading up on the season, that—that that seems to be an ACC dark horse type team, not to win the conference, but to be like you know possibly eight, nine win team out of there. So if, if they're at Boston College, which I don't know for a fact, uh, that, that could be a tough one. It's also a team that's given them some problems in the past. But I just – that schedule means you kind of have to go out and beat Georgia. Otherwise, otherwise you should be fighting an uphill battle. But then, again, we also know what the committee does. And if there's a one-loss Clemson team that beat everybody in their path by you know 30 other than a tight loss to Georgia, they're probably going to be in. Yeah, I just from a strength of schedule standpoint, this is this is it. You you need this you need this Georgia game in hand to not be the subject of those types of conversations. You know, mm-hmm. totally agree. Um, anything else in the ACC any, jump out? Florida, I say, I mean, do you have Florida State is another team that some people are saying could make you know a little bit of a jump. But it's what Mike Norvell's second year there, and obviously the second or third year. I don't remember. 
whatever. He, he's, he's getting his feet uh, yeah. underneath him there. Um, probably about time for him to start doing some winning. They are Florida State, so they're always going to get some talent. Um, that, that'll that be an interesting one to watch. And Obviously, they got the tough test with Notre Dame, so we might mm-hmm. find out fairly early uh, what that team's like. But other than that, no, the, yeah. the ACC's kind of boring. Um, it, it very much is. So that is my underlying uh, storyline to watch for. It's not who's in the ACC, it's who could be coming to the ACC. And I know it's not likely that Notre Dame joins any of these conferences despite all of this super conference Pangea off-season coalitions that have been formed. But if there's a conference they're going to join, it's the ACC. We saw them play an ACC schedule a year ago. We saw how that kind of made sense. We saw how it kind of fit. We saw how it would work and what would need to change. Um, I don't think we're done hearing the last of Notre Dame to the ACC. So that's my uh, underlying storyline to watch in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, if they do join one, it would likely be there. I still just I have a hard time seeing it ever happening unless there becomes a there is a stipulation either in the college football playoff or like a you know if, if the Big Four conferences divide off and do their own thing. That mm-hmm. would probably have to be, but until like until their hand is absolutely one hundred percent forced, I just I don't I think they're going to hold off and, and be out of it. Um, should we jump to the Big Twelve? Almost disrespectful that we went ACC prior to Big Twelve. Well, it's a, it's a dead man walking conference, but yes, we can go to it. Let's do it. Uh, very much so. I think that we could say this one on three as well. Uh, one, two, three. Oklahoma. Boomer sooner. Boomer Same sooner. Which is really interesting that, like, you know, we've the only departure from us completely agreeing is me trying to grasp at straws on North Carolina. That's just kind of the tells you a little bit about college football right now and its mm-hmm. top heaviness, uh, even in the individual conferences. But, you know, again, Heisman uh, contender and Spencer Rattler playing quarterback. I think we see the best version of him that we've seen. He, he seemed to really start clicking late last season. Um, I, it comes to mind the uh, who are they going back and forth with? Were they in a shootout with Texas or did they? No, Iowa State, Texas, outlet. Iowa State might have been the shootout. Mm-hmm. Well, just, they did have a know, shootout that, with Texas. That 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 game was an absolute. Was that Texas? Forth, yeah, they, they just kept going also, back and they forth. They lost to Ohio. Rattler never blinked. They lost to Iowa State and then also beat them in the Big Twelve Championship. So those two had some pretty yeah. good games too. But yeah, the shootout you're thinking of was the the Red River game. That I believe was it was yeah, an awesome. Um, and now. You know, we, we picked our we picked our winner here in Oklahoma for a million reasons, most of them being offensive skill players. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when they have that target on their back. And the storyline that I'm most watching for is what is it going to look like with these teams leaving the conference in two quote unquote two years, I think this is I the last. This is it. I think I think this is it. This is the last time that we see Oklahoma Texas play a, a Big Twelve schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it's going to be weird. I think that it's going to um, unearth some flaws in the system because I, I, maybe we see those flaws once they do get to the SEC and you figure out that the grass is not always greener, especially if you're a Steve Sarkeesian led Texas team. Also here, here's a, here's a betting hand to the sky note for you that you're going to see a lot of on locks of the week uh, here on the Moose and Moons podcast, Texas overs. Sark, you know, can dial up an offense. Uh-huh. You don't know if that defense is going to stop anybody. If they are in the fifties or low sixties, play it over and don't fuck. Don't even think about it. Just, just shoot. 
don't think just shoot type situation. But back to you know, the Big 12 and, and what's going to become of the conference beyond this season, I think things get really weird. And I think that there's a lot of bad blood, a lot of chippiness on the way out the door. So that's what I'm watching for is just to see how those two teams in Oklahoma and Texas are dealt with both within the whistle and outside of the whistles. Yeah, that's definitely the storyline to watch. I, I'm excited to uh, – we talked about it, or I, I, you were talking about the shootouts. I mentioned the Iowa State-Oklahoma games. Oklahoma is going to be largely unchallenged in the Big 12 just because they're so much better. But those are – I say games because I almost think it's – we're almost – a lock to see those two play each other in the mm-hmm. Big 12 championship game as well. I'm really excited to see those two teams play. And you're talking about, you know, chippiness, bitterness against Oklahoma for wanting to leave the conference, leaving the conference and all that. Iowa State seems like a team that can beat you up a little bit up front and a little bit after the whistle as well. So that might be a game that once those two get played, they don't like each other. There's still Campbell there. Matt still Campbell's Campbell there, still there. Right? Yeah. They're bringing, I believe Brock Purdy and Brees Hall are both back. So like they, they have some serious talent there on the offense and some serious experience. They have the big game experience because they beat Oklahoma at home. Granted, I think this year it's, it's at, uh, I, I think it's in Norman, but mm-hmm. that'll be a, a game or games that I'm, I'm, going to kind of list as appointment television because I think Iowa State might be the team headlining, giving Oklahoma the crap, the shit, whatever, because they can. Yeah, that's going to be um, it's going to be a fun one to watch for. Um, one thing that I'm very keen on right now is the future of Oklahoma football, no matter where they play. I, I really think – so I think – I think you're going to see two things happen here in the coming years. I think you're going to see Oklahoma go to the SEC and immediately be Alabama's main contender. Uh-huh. I think you're going to see Texas go to the SEC and completely regret leaving the Big 12. I think that things are going to work for Oklahoma. The trajectory of this program, the head coach – that's there the way that they are recruiting their 2021 2022 recruiting classes were both one and two and their 2023 class is starting to come together they already have like three of the top five recruits in the nation committed so they're going to be the number one class again they are building something they're these are not just like hey get the transfer in here let's contend yeah. this year hey you know it's it's they're been building happening. a program they're building a program and they've been building a program and it's not just we have the best quarterback and they might once again have the best quarterback in the nation. They might once again have a Heisman award winner because I mean, you think about it in terms of uh, Heisman award winners get votes and there's been a lot of Heisman award winners out of Oklahoma in recent memory. Um, So there's, there's a lot of votes baked in there for Oklahoma guys to continue winning this award. Um, I, I'm really, really excited for the next three to five years of Oklahoma football with the way that they've recruited and where they're going to go play those games against those teams and being welcomed into the SEC, uh, the warm welcome that it, that that can be. It, it's a really, really interesting time to see how Oklahoma continues to put those building blocks on top of each other. I don't think that um, a conference championship is – a worry this season, but I think there's a whole bunch of worries on the horizon. That's going to be a lot of fun to see how it plays out. I, I think you're dead out on Oklahoma. I think they come into the SEC and they're immediately right there with Georgia as the top, mm-hmm. you know, rival contender, target, contender yeah. with Alabama. I'm interested to see. I'm, I, I, I initially thought the same thing as you with Texas. What are they doing? They can't win the Big 12. Why are they going to the SEC? But 
thinking back on it, we did think the same thing about Texas A&M, and they have program have actually stepped up and gotten better since they moved to the SEC. Granted, they got Jimbo Fisher in there, but they got their coach and they, they, they stepped up. They recruited Texas well, and they are while they're not winning national championships, they're a team that's you know challenged Alabama a couple times. They've been competitive in the SEC, and they're a team that you know we talk about those top tier. They're, they're a team right below it with the Floridas of the world that can have a year where they jump up and get you. Texas with Sark, who, I mean, he kind of has to be the answer. Otherwise, you're getting too far gone. But with Sark, who's recruited the SEC, who knows the SEC, who's coached against the SEC, to have that chip of we're Texas, you can stay home in Texas, you can play in the SEC – I think yeah, but that, that I think that, that doesn't, Oklahoma can do the same thing. I know that, but like it, it's, I think that does matter to an extent because I think that exact pitch has been working for Texas A and M. Doesn't play anymore, Matt. It doesn't play anymore. I'm I'm watching it happen. We do a lot of mm-hmm. recruiting coverage. That recruiting is a national game now. There's yeah. no more. We recruit our state and get a couple position players from elsewhere. Oklahoma has the top class in the country this year. Because they recruited the shit out of SEC country. They Mm -hmm. recruited the West Coast. They got every single Pacific Northwest big body that they wanted. They got the quarterback from Ohio. They got the position player from Florida. They got the offensive lineman from Michigan. This is a national game. And if your guys, if your recruiting team does not have their fingers in every single one of these hotbeds, then you lose. Texas... Sark, they have to recruit coast to coast, and then once they do that, they have to put the program on field. I see Texas a lot more as Nebraska than I do as Oklahoma. I think Texas is a team living in the past. I think Texas is a team that has not recruited well in-state or out-of-state for the last four to ten years, and that's put them in a really bad spot. That's put them in a spot where they are a middling team no matter what conference they're playing in. And I don't think you just snap out of that because Steve Sarkeesian knows some people uh, around uh, USC and knows some people around Alabama. Like, I I don't know that that – I think that it's a much more long – I think it's a much longer road back for Texas than people think. Oh, I, I agree with you that it's a long road back. I'm not suggesting that they're going to jump in and be national championship contenders or even you know, an 11 to win team right away. I just think, I yes, don't you know do. if they're Obvious, a 500 obvi- team right away in the SEC. Obviously, I, that's that's very fair, and I just I, I hope that they give Steve Sarkeesian enough time because the expectations are so unrealistic there early on and often with these new head coaches that it's almost if you don't come in and win those 10 games those 11 games right away you're going to get fired but back to the the, the recruiting thing obviously you have to be able to recruit the entire country that's never been more true now but also being able to recruit the state of texas which is that and california are your two most important states your two most fruitful states in terms of talent you have to be able to recruit that state if you are texas as well as the country but that's a great place to start and i think this move might help them in that regard like it did Texas A&M a couple of years ago. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying I think that's an intriguing issue. Yeah, issue might not be the right word. It, it, intriguing part for them come recruiting time to talk about. But again, now recruiting is entirely different too that money's, money's involved because teams can offer it. I guess can't straight up offer that. But it's it's not the same as it used to be. I just think that's an intriguing recruiting pitch now for Texas to have. Not saying it's going to work, not saying they're going to be a national championship team, but it's, I think it might, it's better than the status quo, I guess, because I don't think they were getting out of it in the Big 12. You got to, uh, you just got to be able to recruit IMG Academy. That's what you got to be able to recruit. 
Seriously. I saw uh, it was either like a TikTok or a Twitter of like a, a campus tour of IMG Academy. And I was like, this is a really <laughs> nice college. That's why they, that's how they beat, uh, what's this fake team? Um, Bishop, Bishop uh, Sycamore. I Bishop don't... Sycamore, which is a fake name in and of itself. How are we not? There is no Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> oh, unreal, unreal. But uh, we should keep things rolling here to the Pac-12, should Let's we do it. not, as Let's we round it. out the Power Five. I think this is the one where you could have a, a myriad of opinion, and you know, no one's going to be all that surprised. I think it's a, uh, a conference largely for the taking, or as much as any other conference. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt, who do you like here? Uh, I like Oregon. Um, we talk about teams that have recruited really well, teams that are starting to establish themselves at the top of the conference. I, I think Mario Cristobal is starting to get close to that point with Oregon. His recruiting class is always up there. Um, they, they play the last few years. They've been pretty consistently right at the top of that Pac-12, and I, I just think they are the class of it. I, I don't believe in Clay Helton at USC, and I, I, I'm not going to until kind of proven otherwise, even though they do bring back Keaton Slovis in a pretty good offense. It's Oregon's conference to lose. Uh, USC could be pretty good. Utah is always going to be a tough out. I do think UCLA uh, is going to be a under the radar, pretty talented team this year. Chip mm-hmm. Kelly's kind of getting his guys in there. Um, he's, he's washing out the the stink of, of Jim Mora Jr. And, and he's got some talent in there. And that, I think that's going to be a fun team to watch. But all said and done, I, I think Oregon's the team to beat. And if they can somehow go into Columbus in week two and, and find a way to win that game, I think you might be seeing a Pac-12 team in the in the college football playoff. Yeah, I think that that would be um, really big for the Pac-12 as they try and uh, continue to huge game for the conference, not just Oregon. Yeah, as they continue to try and you know bully their way, and bully's not the right word. As they continue to try and keep themselves in that conversation of that fourth team. Now, when the when the uh, college football playoff inevitably expands, it's not going to be an issue, but it's an issue right now. Having mm-hmm. just four teams, um, you really got to buckle down in those moments and get the job done. Now, I, I do like Oregon. They are my pick, but my eyes also go to USC here with Keaton Slovis being one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Um, that kind of that kind of leads me to believe this USC offense is going to be pretty potent, and mm-hmm. they're going to give some teams some <clears throat> excuse me give some teams some issues, but. Um, I, I like Oregon to win the conference as well. I think that um, what Mario Cristobal uh, has been able to establish fourth year, I think he's going into here, he's pretty much got a chokehold on the Pac-12. Yep. Um, the next hurdle to clear is the hurdle of getting your team into the playoff and winning in that big moment like you pointed to. So we'll see if Oregon can not only win the conference, but win a big cross-conference matchup, like you said, and uh, and inject some life into that program and put themselves squarely in that uh, top four conversation. Would you like to have that top four conversation right now? Would you like to uh, outline your college football playoff, Matthew? Are are we going to talk Notre Dame at all or no? Not that I think they're going to the college football playoff. Yeah, go ahead. Give your dissertation. Oh, I was just going to see if you had any thoughts. I I don't this year. year. I think I'm a little bit, I think I'm a little bit, um, I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm down on Notre Dame this year, but, uh, I'm a little bit burnt out on the predictability of Notre Dame. Um, I, you know that doesn't that doesn't do away with my fandom. But um, Matt, sell me on Notre Dame this year on why it's going to be different than every single year for the last five years. Oh, I don't think this year is going to be too much different because I think they lost a, a decent amount last year, and it, it, it's a little bit of a 
they don't quite reload like the Bamas and the Ohio States. They do have a little bit of a rebuild. Um, I'm looking. I'm more excited about the recruiting that they've had the last you know few months. Their recruiting for 2022 has been. They're right there at number one in the country or your top three recruiting class. I'm getting more excited by the guys they're starting to bring in. I'm just looking forward to seeing it. Probably Kyle Hamilton's last year in a Notre Dame uniform, which is unfortunate. Excited to watch him. Looking forward to seeing what Michael Mayer does in that offense is you know, taking another step forward because next year is probably his last. And seeing the growth of that backfield because if things go the way they should, I don't think Kyron Williams is going to go pro. And you could see another mm-hmm. Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree back, backfield in 2022. This year, I'm just, I'm, it, it's, almost kind of comforting because I'm not going in with the expectation of a college football playoff run. I'm going in with the expectation of, you know, nine, 10 wins is a really, really nice season with the tough schedule they have. Let's see some growth from these guys. Let's see Kyle Hamilton do some cool stuff in his last year. And let's gear up in, you know, 2022, 2023 for some actual runs at this thing. All right. Um, I like it. I like the answer, uh, but it does not sound like you have them as a part of your final four. So I do now, not. If you could. Uh, let us know who you like here in the college football playoff. Uh, I think I, we can both. I think we can both agree upon Alabama, Oklahoma. Correct? Yeah, I, I think those are going to be. I, I think Alabama is going to be there. I think Oklahoma is almost a lock. I, I just I don't see because Oklahoma has become one of those teams, even though they don't play the toughest schedule, that a one loss Oklahoma is almost a lock to get into it. Um, yeah. Man, I, I think I, it's it's going to sound I'm really going, chalky, but I think Ohio State's getting in there. I don't okay because I, I think I don't think Ohio State's going to slip up in the Big Ten. Like we said, we both have them winning that, and if they lose, say they lose Week Two to Oregon in a really good game, and then go and run the table, I think that's probably a good enough loss where they're still in if they're a Big Ten champion. Um, man, I know I was high on Georgia. I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to say Oregon has a really, really good year. I think they run the table in the Pac-12. I think they win the Pac-12. And even if they don't beat Ohio State, similar to what I just said, you know, if Ohio State were to slip up, if Oregon goes into Columbus, plays a a really good game and loses, you know, 42-35 or 38-35, something like that, and a good back-and-forth effort with Ohio State where they show they hang, and then they go win the Pac-12. I think that's kind of the recipe to get in because for some reason the committee almost values good losses more than like bad wins and that would mm-hmm. be a really good loss for them. So let's say yeah. I'll say Oregon sneaks in because I, I don't think I like Georgia. It's just, I don't think to get in from the sec this year. I do. And that's my final answer. That's fair. Ohio state, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia. I think Georgia beats, I think Georgia beats Clemson this week. Mm-hmm. And that is the deciding factor for that final spot as everyone plays out and beats the brains out of lesser competition. We're going to look back at the first game, the first primetime game of the season for Saturday primetime slot was the most important game in figuring out the final four teams. Uh I think uh, Georgia does enough. Excuse me. Get it all. Get it all out. Get it all out. Um, I think Georgia does enough throughout the season. I think they're convincing enough to, you know, appear in that SEC championship game and hang around with Alabama to uh, have a maybe have the right to play them again in the college football playoff, yeah, depending on seeding. I think you're if uh, and by, that would not shock me at all whatsoever. If Georgia goes out and, and beats Clemson and they you know run the table and have a 
they lose to Alabama in the SEC title game, but it's a good game, and they don't get the, you know, the doors blown off of them. They're going to be in the college football playoff. I think the intriguing question for me is going to be what happens if, say, Georgia does, say they lose a couple games and they're you know they're a two loss team, and the, that Oregon does have this good year that we're talking about. If Oregon and Clemson are both eleven and one or twelve and one conference champions, and their losses are at you know neutral against Georgia, and then Oregon at Ohio State in two close games, the decision between That's those tough. two teams would be. I, again, we're just this is so much speculation, and it's probably never going to happen. But I would love to see the thought process between those two teams and, and who would get in there because I think that's a real question. And odd, we both said Clemson not making the playoff this year, even talking about how easy the schedule they have. I'm gonna be uh, gonna be fun to watch it all play out, Matt. We do need to put a couple more uh, picks down on paper here. Let's lock them up. A, oh wait, no, we need a Heisman little, first. No, 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 no. We, need a, we need a Heisman award winner, and then we'll give you our locks of the week before we say goodbye. Do you have a chalk? I mean, we, I feel like the Heisman Award winner is kind of chocolate. It's, Spencer it's, Rattler. Like I said, there's the too chalk, many. There's too many non-chalk no. pick because I think no. Spencer Rattler is going to win it. But fine, Sam Howell. Okay, I was going to say uh, if we're if we're talking about a dark horse, not Bryce that, Young. I know Devonte uh, Devonte Adams last year was. Or, He's not Devontae Smith. I'm thinking Devontae Adams from the Packers. Devontae Smith. That's where I'm kind of going with it because I, I think not that receivers are going to start winning it year in, year in, year out, but I think he set the press grant. He had a historically good year, but kind of set the precedent for if there's not a quarterback that's jumping out, that we can give it to another position. And I think Chris Olave of the rest of the country has the chance to do that this year. I mean, I, I would not bet on it because I don't think it's going to happen, but I think if we're talking non-quarterback star courses, whatever, what have you, I think that's a guy. Yeah, but the reason, not the reason, but one of the reasons why Devonta Smith won it a year ago was because his quarterback was just a little bit too cookie cutter. And that's too, not too that's, Mac Jones. Too Mac Jonesy. Yeah. That's not a shot at Mac Jones. He was amazing. But if there was any sort of flair to Mac Jones's game, that was his award. Mm-hmm. And there is flair to Spencer Rattler's game. There is flair to Bryce Young's game. There is flair to Sam Hall's game to an extent. That's mm-hmm. why if you want me to pick outside of Spencer Rattler, probably Bryce Young. I can I would not shock me in the least. And that those are my picks. Okay. Uh, Matt Let's get to a lock of the week here. Uh, we are wait. both zero and zero on the season. New slate. The quest for the quest for golf balls. Two dozen once again commences here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Brand new slate. Uh, would you like to lead us off with your first pick of the season? I am going to go with a team that we didn't mention. That it'd be really hard for them to make a playoff, but there's a dark horse outside chance. I, I'm taking Cincinnati laying 22 and a half at home against Miami, oh, Ohio. Love that. I love that. Love that. I, it, it's a Mac team. I, no, no offense to Miami, Ohio. I'm sure they're going to have a very nice Mac year. Cincinnati brings back so much talent. Um, uh, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback's back. That offense brings back a whole lot. Luke Fickle, I absolutely love as a coach. And they're a team that knows that if they want any chance at a college football playoff berth, if they want any chance to build off that really good bowl performance against Georgia last year, they need to win, and they need to win impressively just about every game they play. They do have games at Notre Dame and I believe at Indiana, so they, they have some of those marquee-type matchups that can go down as big wins for you know, towards a playoff bid. But talking about week one, talking about the inferior opponents, I, I don't think it's lost on Luke Fickle and that team that they need to win, and they need to win by a lot, and I think they do that at home in the opener against Miami, Ohio. So lay the 22.5, lay it up to probably 24, 
even 27, I would probably think about it. Wow. So there it is. Matt Rooney giving you a 22 and a half point favorite here in week one of the Moose and Roos podcast. Things never change. Uh, I am going with a total here. And you know, Matt, when one just when you just flip open that first tab and, and mm-hmm. it just jumps off the page, like it's bolded. Like it's like always nice when any, you see one. You that's can't just, read that's it. I found it. You can't read any other words on the page because this one is just in focus. Mm-hmm. UC Davis, Tulsa over fifty four and a half. Book it and thank me later. UC Davis scores. I, I don't know what their average points per game is over the last five seasons, but it's very high. Uh, I covered the Aggies. Uh, I covered that program. They have the ability to score points just at will. They love to attack the field vertically. Tulsa's obviously a, a better team here. They play a different caliber of football. So if you're telling me Tulsa's going to score 30 points on UC Davis, I think UC Davis is going to be able to scrap together 25 of their own. I like UC Davis, Tulsa, over 54 and a half. What do, we, do you have your book open in front of you? Uh, yeah, I do not, but I could though. We should um, we should see what a Moose and Runes parlay pays out. You know, for once okay. we uh, for once we sponsor once we sponsor our own sports book and we can start giving away custom bets. What are, what are the odds on yours there? Uh, minus one ten. Minus one ten for that. Uh, the Moose and Runes. I am uh, minus one ten as well. So we're gonna go parlay payout. We'll start, we'll start tweeting the Moose of the Runes parlay of the week. Uh, How about that? Payout calculator. Um, minus one ten. Minus one ten. This is great. This, this is, is great. great podcasting here. That's, We've heard uh, worse. If, we, if we would have calculated. All right. So your your hundred dollar moose and runes parlay payout is two sixty four forty six. Oh, this that's week. a lot. Go take it. Better better Go than two to it. one odds here. 2.6 to 1 odds here on the Moose and Moose Parlay. Go take uh, it, then donate half of it to us for doing doing the podcast. Maybe don't do that because I don't know how many weeks that we've pulled with one. <laughs> like historically, throughout the Moose and Moose Not Pickle, a lot. I don't know how many weeks both of us have won. No, I feel like the, I feel like the locks of the week are a tale of two seasons. Always, it's I think I feel like every year it's been one of us gets hot early while the other one fades, and then one of us charges uh, back while was, the other one fades, and then it's I was pretty. Some, I, some I had a slow start. I had a slow start last year, but I was pretty consistent. See, you, you had a slow you, start last year. I had a hot start. Yes, yeah, but like it was like it was like a two it was like a two week slow start, and then I was gold. I was gold for the people here. You're the one coming back to the Moose and Root to pick them with something to prove. Let's just put it that That's, way. That's hey, I don't. I, I, I'm aware I lost last year. I, I want. I, no, no, no I, you didn't just lose. You lost in like week close. seven. I've been to the top. I want to get back <laughs> to the top. I'm hungry. I'm not Texas uh, the, yet. I'm more of a who's, a who's a reload kind of team we were talking about. I'm not Texas. I reload. I'm Georgia. I reload. You're Georgia. Yeah, you're Georgia. Um, something like that. But uh, we will continue to bring you these picks here on the Moose and Moons podcast. We will also have uh, NFL picks as options here coming up soon. And next week, we will have your NFL division by division preview. We will also tell you why the Chicago Bears are a 13-win team yep. and a Super Bowl champion. Naturally. Um, that's all coming your way next week on the Moose and Moons podcast. But for now, he is Matt. I am Joe. Matt, you got anything else for the people? See you next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.